Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for uh, allowing me to be here on the Black Man Will Rise podcast. Uh, it's just such a um, blessing to be here with these uh, five, these fine young men uh, doing positive things. Uh, so just want to say thank you. Uh, a little about myself again, um, as Noah introduced me, I'm Charles McKay. I am the host of the uh, Detroit Metro Plug podcast that streams uh, over 80 episodes of what we call Detroit Difference Makers in the area of entrepreneurship and community involvement. Uh, you can see those episodes on YouTube, Facebook, and also LinkedIn at Detroit Metro Plug Podcast. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a father of three children, uh, my daughter, youngest, and I have two young men, um, 19 and 22. Um, I'm also, um, I do this podcast um, but I also uh, have a day job for over the past 13 years. Uh, I work for the state of Michigan. And right now I work for the Michigan Department of Civil Rights. So when we get civil rights complaints, they um, have us assigned to a case. We may do an investigation. Um, grew up west side, west side of Detroit. <laughs> grew up on the west side of Detroit, went to Henry Ford High School, um, then attended Wayne State University. Uh, and then I did grad school at Davenport University. But um, I'm just excited to uh, just to serve and help other people. And so my passion is to help people discover their story, their passion, their calling with their um, with my business, Empower You Ventures. Uh, we do this podcasting. I help produce other podcasts. So, yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. Why is change important? All right, so, all right, Noah, that's a good question. Uh, why is change important? Um, well, um, two reasons why change is important. Number one is uh, we live in a society right now that there's, there's rapid change with technology, um, different things. So you have to learn new things at a rapid pace. You guys may not know, but at one time we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> uh, we had to, it was actually a um, a dial we had to go to the so the phone was actually connected to a wire and it was like it you know I remember my grandmother's house it was on you couldn't even go no more than three or four feet you had to stay in that area and so <laughs> uh, but but now you know we have cell phones and then we have um, technology laptops your cell phone is like a mini computer now we got chat GPT so. There's all this new technology, so you got to be willing to change. The second reason why change is important is because if you want to see some things change in your life and you want to go to the next level or experience different things, you have to be willing to change and you have to work on yourself because your environment may not change around you. But if you want to get to another level and see some improvement in your life, you may have to change people you hang around with or change your mentality. How would you ensure that everyone involved in is well informed and about the Okay, so uh, Leontay, right? Uh, so you're asking me how do I make sure people 
that's involved in change, um, is informed. People that surround me. Oh, okay. Um, well, here's the thing. The funny thing about change is that um, sometimes uh, you can work on yourself and change, but some people may be stuck. Um, they may not be willing to change. Um, so I, I give an example. You know, when you get on the elevator and you're trying to get to the fifth floor, uh, sometimes some people, they don't want to go on the fifth floor with you. They may not want to elevate and you can't, they can't get on the elevator ride. And then now that doesn't mean they may be, it could be that for that season in their life, they're not ready for change, but then you may circle back around a year or two and they, be made, they may be ready to get on the elevator with you to go to the next level. But sometimes some people are, because of their mentality or their environment, they just kind of stuck and they're not ready and that's okay. And you know what? I don't judge people who are not ready. Um, but that that shouldn't um, hold you back to where you want to go. And then you may circle back around and maybe they may get inspired later and they may be ready to level up. But, you know, it's okay if they don't. But you don't want to stop what you're trying to do. What changed you in a positive way? What changed me in a positive way? That's a good question, Noah. Um, um, basically, my major change in my life is... Um, when I experience um, adversity, adversity. Um, so the things I used to feel like was a bad thing growing up, uh, actually as an adult, worked to my advantage. Um, now you guys, you don't know a whole lot about me, but um, unfortunately, um, I kind of grew up in a, in a rough environment. Um, unfortunately, my parents, um, they had love for me and they wanted to take care of me the best they could but they had a sickness known as substance abuse. They were addicted to drugs. And so as a kid, um, I experienced a whole lot of stuff, like, you know, moving from house to house, getting evicted. Um, I don't really have a lot of like childhood friends because we moved around a lot because the household wasn't stable. I went to about three or four elementary schools, just around two middle schools. So finally, when I was with my grandparents, I was at one high school, but I was moving around. So I seen a whole lot of stuff, you know, just stuff that, you you know, kids probably shouldn't be exposed to because just my parents was like, you know, chasing that next high. So what happened is uh, I had to grow up a little bit faster. So uh, I was the only child. I had to go out. If I wanted clothes or things, I went out um, doing legal stuff, you know, like shoveling the snow, uh, going to the gas station, helping people pump their gas or um there was a store I remember on Grand River uh, near Ferguson between Southfield and Greenfield. It's called Princess. And so the stores in the hood, they have where the carts is gated in. You can't take the cart to your cart. And um, you had like senior citizens and older people who had a lot of groceries. So I would be up there and I'll say, hey, ma'am, sir, ma'am, you need help loading groceries in your cart. And so that's how I made my little pocket change to buy comic books or clothes and stuff like that. Then eventually I had a paper route. And eventually at age 15, I was working at a convenience store called In-N-Out. I don't even think they have In-N-Outs, um, you know, right now. But the store is on 7 Mile in Siwassee. And um, so I would do the bottles, the deli, everything. They trained me on everything. So what that was, what happened was as a um, young man, I learned how to be, even though that was a difficult situation. I learned how to be resilient. So I didn't like 
didn't say, oh, man, you know, blame my parents. Oh, man, my parents getting high or this and that. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to try to make it happen. So so what that did was I developed resilience to try to make things happen and not use excuses. So that became that disadvantage of growing up in that environment became an advantage as an adult because that made me have drive because I seen how when you don't have a stable situation, um, you know, how life could be. And then also, um, I ain't judge nobody, but because of seeing uh, the other side of drug abuse, that's why I ain't never really got, got high or, you know, I may have a drink now and then, but I don't be like wilding because I know what that can do to you to seeing my parents. And they both, they are, they're deceased. Eventually that lifestyle caught up with them. So I'm here, the only child when, at age 50 where my parents are gone based upon their life choices. And my dad eventually got sober and got clean as an older man. But eventually that the life he had earliest began to uh, affect his health. At any point, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I was young, I was I had like a lot of resentment. Like, you know, it was some some of my friends. Um, they had their parents went to work, wasn't getting high, buying them clothes. You know, uh, I used to get clowned on because as a kid, especially in middle school, it's funny y'all still wearing the shoes that we grew up on. <laughs> but um, yeah. So when I had, you know, basically because they was on, you know, ADC, they called it uh, ADC back then, welfare, food stamps, whatever. So I couldn't get the clothes that some of my friends had. You know, they had the Jordan ones when they came out. You had the Adidas, the forms, the patent leather forms, and all that stuff was coming out. So uh, unfortunately, you know, my parents they took me to there's a store called Kingsway, and we had it was like pro kids. You know, Adidas got three stripes, right? So this these shoes had four stripes. So you know how it is, y'all in middle school, right? You get clowned on basically. So I used to be resentful, like man, you know. I wish I had parents that, you know, buy, you know, give me allowance and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so I grew up kind of being resentful and, and envious. But what that happened was, like I said, that challenge caused me to innovate. And um, some of the people that was kind of giving things, when they face adversity, they'd be like stuck. And when I'd be like, I'd be just like, oh, you got to figure it out. They don't even understand. But see, I had to figure things out. So that made me stronger. So. Um, I mean, they were adults, so I was more so, um, I was just, you know, as I got older, uh, eventually my dad really got so bad, he was just strung out on the streets. Like, I ran into him when I was in college, like, down the, I went to Wayne State, so I, I actually saw him, like, going through trash cans and stuff down in, in the cat. It, it was called the Cash Corridor. Now, of course, they got the Little Caesars Arena and all that stuff they built up. But back then, I just ran into him. Um, I saw him as Lois, but uh, he, he actually ended up getting clean and um, changed his life around. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was just trying to get my mom to stop. But, um, yeah, so I was just trying to do that. Um, but, yeah, I was just kind of dealing with embarrassment because, like, my dad wanted me to do good in school, but he would come to parent teachers conference. He'd be he'd be nodding off. He'd be high, right? It was embarrassing. <laughs> he'd be shaking it high. I mean, at least I mean when I think about it, I'm, I'm laughing. But at least he was there, though. He was trying to do something, but he would be blew up at the parent teachers conference. Yeah. What was the hardest thing that you had to 
um, the hardest thing I had to overcome. Um, yeah, yeah, I think um, hardest thing uh, I would think is uh, just adjusting to trying to go through school. Um, you know, I, no knock on DPS schools, but when I um, I was able to get into college, I was debating whether going to the military or college. Um, and so, like, that was a big adjustment because, you know, it's a different way of studying and doing homework. You know, you first of all, you left on your own, right? Nobody, no teachers calling you or parents or anything. Did you do your homework? They just say, they, at the beginning of the semester, they give you a paper, say, this is the syllabus, this assignment is due in two weeks, four weeks, five weeks. And whether you do it or not, <laughs> they don't care. So I had to learn how to develop study habits. Um, there's classes I had to take over three times um, because I, I just wasn't used to. I had to go to, to tutoring. Um, I had to go to the writing lab to learn how to write papers. So, um, but because I, as a kid, I developed that I will until, like, no matter what, I'm going to try to make it happen. I just tried to figure it out. I said, oh, shoot, they taking notes in class. How do I take notes in class? What, how do I um, sit up front? What do I need to do to, you know, I need to get to know the smart people. Like, yo, can we have a study group? You know, I had to figure it out. So that was um, when I started college, it was in 1991. I didn't finish till 11 years later because I had to, you know, I wasn't used to the pace. Yeah, there was some classes I took over about two or three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started in 91 and finished 2002. What are your high-level goals? Um, I still like pursuing things. My um, my overall goal is I want to be in a position where I can um, be uh, financially free to be a blessing to other people. Do stuff like this. So, um, what drives me is not necessarily. I'm not against like having nice things. You know, whether it's a you know a bust-down watch or or a whip or whatever a car. Um, but uh, what motivates me is I want to be free to be a blessing to my family and community. So that's my ultimate goal um, with being successful is I want to be freed up to bless other people. I don't want to be in a situation where I need things from people because that's when you get into trying to scam somebody because you got, oh, man, I need to make this work. And you're trying to do things to other people because you need the money well, i don't want to be in a situation where, I, where i'm so desperate for money i want to be in a situation where i'm good i'm whole spiritually financially so i can like kick it with you guys and it's no no big deal mm -hmm. um and what do i enjoy about being a black man wow um i just enjoy our history um i enjoy just the impact we are um we have a we come when i think about our history um i don't think about just the american history i think about where we come from um the cradle of civilization and we come from a line of kings and queens and you know we're made in the image of god we, we like many gods and people we set trends people they may say things but they they want to be like us <laughs> they want to walk like us sing like us do you know that the stuff we create musically impacts the world? Like, we can go from jazz to R&B to hip-hop. 
you know those people, I don't know if you know, I was listening to some, they called trap music in Romania. They was rapping it. And they got the beats and they and I was I was like tripping out like <laughs> like you can hear people like doing trap music or drill music in foreign countries. And you like I don't understand the language, but you can tell they be in the pocket and everything. And I'm just like, but that came from us. The world, the whole world wants to be like us. They want if they could get they if they could lock their hair up, they would try to lock their hair up. They want to, yeah, I'm just saying. So I enjoy our culture and what we contribute to society. And being black, you know, even though we have challenges here in America, but we we not the minority. We we people of color dominates the world. If you could um, tell your your younger self something like go back to the past, tell your younger self something to Okay, that's a good question. No, what would I tell my younger self? Um, man. Um, Uh, there was one area I had a challenge in that if I had learned how to control my appetites in relationships, I think um, tell my younger self like, yo, that whatever you think is going on over there ain't worth it. So just having a better boundaries, because uh, I, I mean, I'll be true. I'm keeping it hundred with you. I've been through two divorces, and most of the things that happened were some things that I've done. I take responsibility. So just telling myself just to hang in there, be disciplined, don't feel entitled, and make better decisions when it comes to relationships. Um, have you ever, like, changed your uh, outlook of it and tried somebody to change your life? Okay. So you asked me like what have I what I've done or or if I can't it's funny you asked that because my back my undergrad was in, was in social work and I actually worked in um, in a homeless shelter um so when I um, when I deal with people first the first off um, I don't like judge people for what what they've been through and when I see somebody I don't look at them at where their current state is just because somebody was homeless doesn't mean that they could be the next CEO of a company. I can name you five, well, at least for sure, three famous black men who were once homeless that are now multi-millionaires. But Tyler Perry, he may be a billionaire by now. Uh, Steve Harvey used to live out of his car. There's a guy named John Hope Bryant. He lead, he, he's an entrepreneur of businesses, nonprofit. They're all at one time homeless. So, so the first thing is I don't judge no one. I don't know what's going on in a mental state. So. Um, I don't think I'm below anyone, but I don't think I'm better. So I approach them like just with compassion, lead with love and just understanding and try to, um, um, you know, as a social worker, try to see what resources they have. Some people just want to be treated with compassion and not judgmental. You know, we don't know what somebody's been through. What, you know, I know people who kind of went off the edge because they were close to their mom and their mom dad died unexpectedly. They looked they, or they lost their child. And they checked out. We don't know what's going on with people, what what situations are. So I just try to first not to judge them and just be there and see, be compassionate and try to listen to their story and then see what resources. And then you can't force nobody to change if they don't want to change, though. I don't get in the business of forcing people to do things. If they want to change, I can help them. If they don't, I have to let them stay where they're at until there's a point. Because when I think of my dad, my dad, he had been, um, 
due to him being in foster care. He was in foster care. His, his parents gave him up as a child. He never knew who his parents were. So he was going from foster home to foster home. So he, he dealt with the rejection. And when he was coming of age, heroin was flooding the streets. So he got he became victim. So I understand his trauma, what, what led to his drug use. And he spent years. Um, and then to the point where he went to jail, that's when he wanted to change. And then he, he completely changed his life for him. And, but he was willing, he came to a place where he hit rock bottom and he wanted to change. And so in helping people, you gotta, they gotta be willing to change. You can't force nobody. If, they, if somebody's homeless and they ain't ready to make a move, you can't really force them to do anything until, you know, you can give them advice, but they have to say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna change my life. So at any point as an adult, did you ever think that your parents changed your life? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think about, I think if they would have changed, I think they st still would be here. But my mom just, she died in her 50s. She just, over her, her life was using pills. She was, she had, she had issues with diabetes. She would just eat anything. They would tell her to stop um, eating sweets and stuff. And then she got so sick, she, she had kidney failure. They were amputated her leg up to her knee. She had to get, um, what do we call it? Um, she had to go to dialysis. Yeah, she had to go to dialysis. She had heart trouble. They had to put a pacemaker. She just gave up on life and just was like, she didn't care. And so if she would have changed and wanted to value her life and make some shit, I think she'll still be alive. So, but I think about that. Oh, how do I define change? Um, I think. Uh, I define change where you evaluate yourself and you are willing to um, do what it takes to uh, improve yourself. You know? Uh, you know, I like to look at change as a positive thing. You know, some people make changes that's not, not so good for them. So just kind of evaluate your life and say, look, I want to I want to improve in my financial health. I want to be financially free, meaning like. I can pay my bills. I don't got all this crazy debt. I can, um, you know, I go to church, so I can give to church. Or I can give to nonprofits. Um, uh, also, like because of my uh, mom's help, um, so diabetes runs in the family. So I go to the doctor um, at least once a year, a couple times a year. Then I had to make some changes in my diet. You know, I had to say, unfortunately, I ain't judging nobody. I had to say no to Captain Jay's and the lemon pepper chicken. Wow. So I've been moving. I just eat fish now and more vegetables. Sometimes I eat meat, but it's very rare. But I had it took a while though. I had to make a change. The doctor was like, "Yo, this one in your family. You got to be careful." So they checked my A1C, you know, and stuff. Cause I wanna, I wanna be there for my kids. Like I said, I got kids. My parents are gone. I, I'm still considered, you know. So it's a lot of my friends. They my age. Their parents are still living. So I want to be there for my kids to. You know, Lord willing, so I'm 80, 90 years old. You know, it's weird. I'm the only child, and my parents not here. Like, when you have a situation, you don't really have a parent to talk to. So yeah, y'all appreciate y'all parents. Yeah, yeah, they're still here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to change like my mentality in terms of like going to school and stuff like that. So I used to be like, man, I wish things were easier. But one of my mentors would tell me, don't um, 
wish things was easier, wish you were better. So, yeah. We have time for one more question. All right, what is some advice I would give young black men today? Um, number one is uh, make priorities to your health. Uh, like I said, my parents, uh, my dad died of litany of, you know, it was liver failure. Um, and so that was just probably when he was out on the streets doing whatever. So I just really encourage um, black men to prioritize their health, get check up with their doctor, eat healthy. The number two, make sure you have a spiritual foundation and then find something that you have a purpose that's greater than your job, or whatever, that you're helping others. All right.